0: Well, I'm uh, thankful that you're here this morning, thankful that uh, you've chosen to come and worship with us today. If this is your first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we have a, uh, have a gift for you on your way out. Um, a, a few things before we get started, uh, special thanks to uh, TJ and Ben and Kelly for filling in uh, for me last week. Uh, It's always nice to uh, leave things in capable hands. And I also want to uh, encourage you to sign up for our small groups, our community groups. Uh, They are in-home Bible studies, and they start uh, two weeks from today. So uh, let me just kind of, a word that um, I've been hearing a lot, and probably when I say it, uh, you'll understand. A word that people have been using is, lately is weary there there are a lot of people that are just weary uh, with uh, with life with this world with family just it, it all piles up and then when you add life was weary five years ago but then when you add a pandemic on top of it uh, we've been isolated uh, we've felt the weight of that there's been a lot of uncertainty we are just... Weary people, and I, I be honest, I've felt it as well, and so our our Sunday night small groups, um, it's called "Out of the Cave: the book that we're going to be studying by Pastor Chris Hodges, and uh, it's using this, the story of Elijah uh, to help us get over the the weariness and really to come out of man just the the funk. The Cave that uh, many of us find ourselves in. So I want to encourage you. We're trying to get all these groups together. So if you're interested in that, you sign up. I think it'll be it'll it'll lead to some wonderful uh, discussion. And uh, as we just kind of come together and um, try to move forward on our own, so please sign up for our small groups uh, in in the lobby. Uh, so this uh, past summer, I had the opportunity to go with our students to Hannibal LaGrange College, uh, university now, and to teach a, uh, a, a large group of, of students, the, um, the 11th graders is who I, I was uh, co-teaching with, uh, at, at Super Summer. And um, you know, the Lord has been using Super Summer ever since I was a teenager in my own life. And, and this year was no different, even though I hadn't been back since my youth ministry days. Uh, but as leaders, they had us to come a day early to just get on the same page and, and get ready to lead. And one of the things that we went through uh, was cross-training by Dr. Greg Frizzell. Uh, it is a holistic checklist to assist us believers in examining our hearts. And I'd just like to, uh, to share that with you today. It really can lead us to deeper fellowship with the Father, and so these are seven areas and man i've I've just been praying that as a church, we would be ready to to hear the word of the Lord this morning because um man this this stomped on my toes uh, it's something that I need daily it's something that I can just kind of ignore if if I really want to if i'm not focused and so um Man, my prayer has been that we would just be able to focus. Seven areas that, that kind of slip under the radar in our, in our daily routines. And so it's just a time for us to slow down and find the forgiveness that First 1 John 1, nine says is available. Let's start in verse 5 in First John 1. Uh, he says this, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship in him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Here's verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we go through these seven categories, I just encourage you to take a a serious look and honestly allow your heart to be examined by the Father who is offering forgiveness and restoration. The first area this morning is our thoughts. Our thoughts, number one on your outline. The question that, uh, that comes up with this one, do I have any sinful thought patterns that I need to confess and forsake? Uh, it, thoughts are, are interesting, aren't they? Because most of us, most of us, have developed a pretty good filter between what we think and what we say. Um, it, it, if, if you don't know anybody like that, it could be you, and so that that's a deeper area of prayer. Um, but most of the time, others really have no idea what's going on inside our brains, and I don't know if you relate or not. Um, man, if I'm completely honest, it is shocking where my mind can go if I don't practice the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Nobody knows what's going on on the inside of our thoughts. I've heard it described as thoughts of the heart and thoughts of the mind. Thoughts of the mind, they, they come and they go, but thoughts of the heart we, we ruminate upon that word ruminate is one that Chris Hodges uses in Out of the Cave. It's, it's, a, it's a word that describes, honestly, it's a word that describes an animal chewing the cud. And it's a disgusting picture, but it really is accurate. The same thoughts, they keep coming back. And they might leave for a little bit, but then we bring them back and we just we chew on them again. Thoughts of the heart, they stick around. We dwell on them. And many times, that's when they have a better chance of becoming sinful thought patterns. Look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report... If there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The version you are looking at may say, think on these things. Make these things the thoughts of your heart that you ruminate on. Not all those sinful thought patterns. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, I implore you, I'm begging you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, notice, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. We've seen these verses before. And that phrase, living sacrifice, it's a bit of an oxymoron because sacrifices are dead, but a living sacrifice has to choose to stay on the altar. A living sacrifice must choose to not be conformed to the world and to renew the mind, to think on these things, not on the sinful thought patterns that we are so easily prone to. A verse that keeps coming to my study, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For putting down, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's a powerful verse, but it's easy to get lost in the uh, the PJV, the Pastor Jim version would say something like this. We live in these bodies, but we, we, we walk by what we can't see. We walk by faith, not by sight. And there is a spiritual battle going on that we are equipped, and the weapons that we are equipped with are mighty enough to fight the battle that we are in. According to verse 5, our thoughts can exalt themselves against God, and against His Word, against the truth. And so we have to take every thought captive. And put them under the authority and in obedience to Jesus. But notice these questions, church. Do we have any thought patterns that have exalted themselves against God? Against his word? Against the truth of the Holy Spirit? That he is bringing up in your mind right now. In your heart. Chances are, as the day goes by, and I want to encourage you as the week goes by, to take a, take a look at your your outline and just allow the lord to speak through through it through his word some questions do i frequently have unclean or impure thoughts what is what is the root of those unclean and impure thoughts many times it's the stuff that we're putting in the stuff that we're watching uh, is my mind often dominated by worldly thoughts? I just need to get more, more money, more stuff, more success. What's the root of that? It, it's a heart that's not fully devoted to Jesus. Am I often angry or critical in my mind? Maybe we should ask the people that we live with, the ones that know us the best. Am I frequently filled with fear rather than faith? Do I have bitter thoughts? I'm mostly selfish in my thinking. And church, I know um, we are prone to listen to some of these questions and think of other people. And just hope, okay, man, I hope the Holy Spirit speaks to so-and-so with this one. (laughs) But let's allow it to to speak to our hearts. Let's let the Holy Spirit do his job. Let's just open our hearts and allow him to, to speak to us. Let's just spend a moment in prayer, right, right here. I, I know it's a little different. Let's just spend 20 seconds in prayer confessing our thoughts. from thoughts to attitudes. Number two on your outline. Attitudes. <clears throat> Do I have any attitudes that I need to confess and lay before God? God said this to the lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so God's word tells us that the meh attitude that we have towards the things of God they make him sick i wonder how many of us are making our savior sick by the indifference we have to what he's doing in our lives in his church in this world we'd rather build our kingdom than build his kingdom what about attitudes of pride? 1 Peter 5, 5-7. through seven. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. In context, this is speaking of, of pastors and church leaders. And then it says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now, don't we know there is an entire series of messages about pride and God's view on it? But don't we also know that we are capable of embracing it? The whole, it's all about me. I don't have any problem putting me first. I have a problem many times putting God first and putting others first. Do we need to confess an attitude of pride? Or maybe it's an attitude of doubt. Look at Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we, we put them all together. We live by faith, not by sight, not by sight. Faith is why we are here this morning. Faith has changed our eternities. Church, when did we stop living in faith and start believing the lies that Satan? Has fed us. Some of us need to speak to our fear and preach to our doubt, because he was faithful then, and he will be faithful now. Great is his faithfulness. I will say this: we all work through doubts at times, and I believe that it is part of working out our salvation with fear and trembling that Philippians two twelve speaks of. But we always have to come back around. And trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Even when I can't see it, He's working. Even when I don't feel it, He's working. Faith is choosing to trust rather than choosing to doubt. What about an attitude of unkindness? Ephesians 4.2 I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which it, which, with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, of peace. The questions that we need to ask ourselves, am I lukewarm in any way? Is there any area that I need to be more passionate for Jesus? Do I have an attitude of arrogance or pride? Do I have an attitude of anxiety or doubt? Am I I harsh or unkind to others? Is there any prejudice in my heart? What about an attitude of materialism or worldliness? Because the truth is, I'm capable of all of these. And that's why I need to stay up on on top of confession and repentance. 20 seconds. Let's spend in prayer. About our attitudes. Amen. Are you with me this morning? I know it's uh, kind of a different, different message, but, man, it's, uh, it's important. Number three on your outline is speech. Sins of, of speech. As the church, as, as people who claim Christ on our lives, our speech should be different from those that don't. So hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians 4.29. <clears throat> Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Uh, a, a couple of, of words that stand out in this verse uh, is what we say necessary. Does what we say impart grace to the hearers? Notice Ephesians 5.3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. And so notice here in, the, in, these, in these verses, the word puts sins of speech in the same category as fornication, anything sexual outside of a marriage. See, they're both not fitting but those of us who have trouble with speech, um, man, we don't like to really like to see it that way, do we? Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. We probably all know somebody who does nothing but complain. They're always looking for something to complain about. But church, God's people should not be that way. First Thessalonians 5 tells us to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Do I ever use inappropriate speech? Am I guilty of cursing or off-color jokes? Am I prone to Exaggerating or lying? Do I frequently complain? Am I guilty of of divisive speech? That's uh, saying something that stirs the pot and puts a, a negative thought about someone in someone else's mind. Have I been critical or harsh? 20 seconds. To evaluate these questions in your life. Incredible, isn't it, how awkward... Just 20 seconds of silence can be. Church, don't we know that we need to get back to being still and knowing that he's God. Number four is relationships. <clears throat> relationships. Do I have any damaged or wrong relationships that I need to address? Consider all your relationships. We all have a lot of relationships how about the ones here at church? Matthew 5, 23-24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Don't we know that God is a God of reconciliation? And God's people should be the first to reconcile. Because think about it. Why would anybody want to be a part of this place if we can't even reconcile and, and, and get along, we harbor discord among ourselves. Why would anybody want to be a part of that? Matthew 6, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's been said like this, we are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. We're never more like Jesus than when we forgive. And church, let me just go ahead and tell you, bitterness counts. Bitterness counts. I will never forget, hopefully never forget, working on a message about forgiveness several years ago. And the Lord just speaking to my heart saying, bitterness counts. Because, man, I can, I can harbor these, these feelings of, of, of bitterness and I can hold on to them. And I can continue to hold on to them. Bitterness counts. Maybe you maybe you saw the uh the illustration. Yeah, I had a a cup of water. All it is is a is a cup of water. It's not very heavy right now. I will uh I'll take drinks from it from time to time. But if I the longer that I hold on to it, my arm will start to cramp. Cause we, we we weren't we don't walk around with cups of water all the time. We we lay them down, right? If I spend an hour holding this cup, my arm's gonna cramp. If I spend twenty four hours holding this cup, my whole arm will go numb and it will get heavier and heavier and heavier. So is unforgiveness. And when we hold on to it, the things that were designed to be set down at the cross, at the feet of Jesus, man, we'll begin to cramp up. We'll go numb. We're doing things that we were not designed to do. You forgive men their trespasses. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Bitterness counts. Consider your relationships at home. Ephesians uh, 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she, she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Then it goes on to the children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. You know, it it wouldn't be a stretch, probably, to say that some of our homes are not God-honoring. And so, guys, in, in this passage, we get the most instructions because it starts with us. Some of our marriages do not honor God. A long time ago, we let selfishness win, and now we're stuck in this crazy cycle that does not honor God. So maybe God is speaking to your heart this morning that today is the day you begin to right the ship. It didn't happen in a day. It's going to take time, but it's worth it. Questions to honestly ask the Lord. Are there people that I've offended that I have not been obedient and gone to, to them to talk through it? Is there anyone that I'm holding a grudge or forgiveness against? Have any of my relationships gotten out of balance? As the husband, have I failed to be the spiritual leader of my home? As a wife, Am I neglecting my role to respect my husband and be the helper that, he's, that God has called me to be? Are there any rifts between me and fellow believers that I've allowed to develop and even fed and watered? A, a divine role in my church family. 20 seconds with these questions. Number five, actions or habits. Actions or habits. Are there any that I need to confess or forsake? Ephesians 5, once again, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Verse 11 says, For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them. In secret, what is God saying to you through His Word? Allow it to continue to speak to you. Second Corinthians six seventeen. God calls us to come out from among them, from the world, and be separate. Are, are our habits different from unbelievers? First Commandment, Exodus twenty three: You shall have no other gods before me first John three eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Questions we need to honestly ask ourselves before the Lord. Have I been involved in any kind of immorality? Do I abuse my body with unhealthy habits? Have I put other people and things ahead of serving God? Have I compromised my values? Do I mistreat others in any way? Have I gone places I shouldn't go? Could the things that I watch at all be considered questionable? Difficult questions. I believe that it's because we've avoided difficult questions like these that we end up where we are. We end up down a road that we never wanted to go, that we shouldn't be. 20 seconds in prayer. We have thoughts, attitudes, speech, relationships, actions or habits. We have two more. Sins of omission, number six. Sins of omission. To omit something is to leave it out. John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How many times are we guilty of not abiding? Uh, that word abiding, it means to take up residence, to move in. We've got to live in Christ. Ephesians four seventeen. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness in their heart. See, our minds are new in Christ, but we still must be continually renewing them with the things of God. James 1, 22 Do I neglect abiding in Christ by ignoring daily Bible reading and prayer? Not because we have to check it off a checklist box to somehow earn our salvation, but because of our salvation, do I want to spend time with my Lord? Have I failed to discover and use my spiritual gift? Have I tolerated a spiritual stronghold in my life? Do I fail to work at deepening my marriage? Do I neglect to be a witness? 20 seconds. Allow God to work on your heart with sins of omission. Amen. We have thoughts, attitudes, speech, relationships, habits, sins of omission. And finally, number seven, do I die to self? Do I die to self? Matthew 16, 25, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to To save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John twelve twenty four. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Second Corinthians twelve nine and ten. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproach and needs and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The last set of questions here. Has God told you to do something that you've ignored? A lot of times we wonder why God has stopped talking to us. We're looking for direction. We We want to know what way he wants us to go. But the last thing that he told us to do, we weren't obedient. So why would he tell us to do something else? Go back to what he told you to before. Be obedient there. Have you insisted on your way instead of God's? Have you ignored God's conviction in your life? Do you resist God pruning your life? Do you trust in methods and strategies more than God? When we sincerely confess our sins, church, God forgives. So as we go into this time of invitation, the altar is, is open. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. you need to come and pray, you are welcome to do that. You just need to worship God, where you are, because you've already found forgiveness, you do that as well. As a spiritual cleansing becomes a habit in our lives, we can live out Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Would you stand with me?